0: In this episode, we talk about what it's like planting churches today.
1: You're constantly just getting into a comfort zone where you think you know what you're doing and then you're yanked right out of it. You have no idea what you're doing.
0: What's different about planting churches in Canada... There's a rootedness in
2: Canada, which makes church planning feel great, because the reason why Dan's the congregation was itching to plant is because they had bought a house in, say, the West End and they were committed to being West Enders. You know, they love yeah. their restaurants. They love their beer. And it's the same when you meet people. Ottawa's a little different because, Ben, you've got all these government workers that are just leeching off the government. They, <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> but but people care about neighborhoods and cities in a, in a slightly different way, and they're rooted in a slightly different way. It's interesting to me that I just don't see it to the same degree in the U.S. because of how transient my
0: friend network in the U.S. has been. And what Canada needs moving forward.
3: We need dozens of church planters, like yesterday. <laughs> There's so many like little cities, 100,000, 200,000 people that could use a healthy, reformed-ish <laughs> you know,
0: church. Before we jump in, this episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, managing the business of your church so you can focus on the ministry. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. You are listening to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast, where two church planters try to make one good point. Today on the pod, we're back with part two of an interview with our international church planting correspondents from Canada. Here's all the guys to get us going.
4: So Dan, uh, you know, being the godfather of the uh, church planting movement there, uh, thinking about that whole process, did you have this in mind that you wanted to be a multiplication church that you were going to plant churches? Did you have a strategic five, 10-year plan or did it happen more organically? Why don't you tell us a little bit about how these guys were part of that initial vision before you even maybe met them?
1: Yeah, we did. Um, We were... um, so the church plant that came out of in Vancouver was planted by John Smet, who ran m as church planting for seven years, and uh, he he connected us with Redeemer who um, to help plant because Redeemer's a kind of global city contextualization coaching. And but you know within a year or two, John was like, you should be planting to plant always, and that should always be part of your DNA. So we he did a three day prayer and planning retreat on the beaches of Jacksonville, Florida with us, actually. And, uh, you know, we need a plan. So the we, we, when we talked to the core group, we had a slide deck with, you know, if, in 10 years, we want to plant three churches at least. And we want to have this happen. We want to have that happen. And um, Redeemer was talking to us about ecosystem. You need to be planting churches and then creating a church planting culture where you can constantly be uh birthing church plants and so you know try and create a church planting center out of your church so i had these ridiculously uh onerous expectations but i also had a passion for it that's kind of the campus crusade thing that i came out of was that you make disciples to make disciples and so um we have attracted actually a lot of former campus crusade people kyle was like a few years in, he said this is really a campus crusade church with a thin veneer of the pca barely (laughs) covering it you know And that was probably true because that was most of my experience was I'd been a campus staff minister. So multiplication was at the heart of it. When we brought Kyle in, he said, I've never seen a a church this small talk about church planting (laughs) so much, even amongst the congregation. We had a a congregational meeting disrupted by people because we were growing. We might need two services. We had a tiny space. And they were like, let's not two services. We're 120 people. Let's plant. And Kyle and I looked at each other knowing that you just don't have the leadership resources with 120 people. But uh, well, so Dan, yeah, we,
2: you'll, you'll remember when I came to visit you for the very first time and was exploring the opportunity, people cornered me and said, like, OK, you're the planter, but you need to make sure yeah. you go to this neighborhood. And, and yeah. just to make I mean, I couldn't grow a beard. I probably just had gotten armpit hair. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't. I don't think you understand how this works out like this is not you can't just sort of say you want to plant and you have this sort of little hit of testosterone and you're good to go. But that's how the that's how itching they were to reach the various neighborhoods of Toronto from the time I came.
1: Yeah. And and Kyle, you've highlighted kind of a, a sort of my style, which was I was high on vision, but very low on how to actually get there uh so people all wanted the plant and i had given them no tracks to get there and we had to reverse engineer to explain to them okay we need these these benchmarks so uh, that's always been my weakness more high vision and outcome rather than you know how to get there so uh, we created a culture to be honest hunter we created a culture of high desire to multiply and uh, frankly we weren't very good at training and, and, and raising up people, but we attracted people who wanted to plant church, a planted church like Kyle and Ben. And really, um, that's what happened. We, uh, God gave us people who were going to be church planters anyways, who were attracted to the vision. And we provided a place for them to, like in Ben's situation, his internship, a good chunk of it was seminary training, right, Ben? And uh, in Kyle's case, it was giving him a lot of preaching opportunities and leadership opportunities. So uh, we had a high vision. We really didn't know how to do it, but we kept talking about the vision and it attracted amazing leaders like Kyle and Ben. And so God allowed us to stumble into uh, into multiplication.
3: I I think one of the things that would be that'd be interesting, at least to a lot of the listeners, is that Toronto is is so outsized in importance in Canada. It's hard for Americans to grasp. Cause like, I think New York is like a 10th of America's GDP or something like that. Maybe even a little bit lower, but Toronto is like 25% of Canada's GDP and and, and population or not 25% of the population, but like, it's so much bigger and so much more important than any. It's like, it's like New York and LA added together. um, In terms of like importance to the country. New York, LA and Chicago. Yeah, that's right. And so, Mm. so it's just, it's, it's a, it's so central and it's so important there's so many people there's so much going on that like to, for Dan to be in downtown Toronto like it's just it creates a it creates a hub like it's it's impossible to replicate um in a kind of a lot of other places and I think that's part of it is that there's just there's so many there's hundreds of thousands of students there it's it just like it is it's a place you get sucked into if you're in eastern Canada for like at least part of your life you know for one yeah. reason or another so and I, I was also going to say this, and this is somewhat different
2: from the US, at least in my experience, you might move a major move once or twice, right? Everyone might cross through Toronto once or twice, you know, they might move to Vancouver once or twice for some training, maybe start yeah. of their career. But Canadians have a way more rooted You know, when they get settled in, they're not homeowners. Aren't selling their homes and moving across the country in the same measure that you see in the U.S. Right? You could go from Chicago to Dallas. That would be very ordinary. That your your kid in class would lose three friends that way. My kid would be more likely to lose a friend that's moving to Dubai or something than moving to another Canadian city. And so uh, there's a rootedness in Canada, which makes church planning feel great, because the reason why Dan's the congregation was itching to plant is because they had bought a house in, say, the West End and they were committed to being West Enders. You know, they love their restaurants. They love their beer. And it's the same when you meet people. Ottawa is a little different because, Ben, you've got all these government workers that are just leeching off the government. (laughs) (laughs) But but people care about neighborhoods and cities in in a slightly different way, and they're rooted in a slightly different way. So if you're in Toronto, you might have family in a place of Nova Scotia like Nova Scotia that you you know one day you might move back but even if you don't move back you really want to see a church like this in your hometown. And it's it's interesting to me that I just don't see it to the same degree in the US because of how transient my friend network in the US has been. People move quite a bit. And here you move but you don't, you you cross through Toronto. If you move, it's Toronto, then somewhere else. You might work in New York for two years, but then you come back. There's a rootedness that comes relatively quickly and a passion for your neighborhood that's encouraging.
5: Church planting is challenging. It's difficult. uh, Definitely a journey. Tell our audience, how has the Lord worked in your life through your own church planting uh, adventures, if you will?
2: I'm happy to go first since I guess it's the freshest for me, but I I just I just noted one kind of lesson that has been important to me that I don't like, but I'm learning and that lesson is that um, passion and excitement and adrenaline can carry you for a while in your Christian life and it can be fuel that burns hot and you feel that you are pursuing the Lord with passion but it burns out at some point and you have to uh, continue to follow the Lord in slow, basic obedience, uh, maybe when the excitement and passion don't feel the same as it once did. And church planning has pushed me in that area to uh, figure out how to be a pastor during those seasons, how to preach during those seasons, how to pray for my people during those seasons, uh, how to read the Bible, quite frankly, when when there it's not the same, you don't feel that same passion to study God's word as I once did. Church planning has pushed me there, and I'm sure other jobs do this, I'm sure other careers do this, but for me, it's been a very important lesson, is that, you know, it's not by passion and excitement you're carried into the kingdom of heaven, um, you know, you're, you've got to depend fully on Christ, and even in your down times, trust that he's, he's carrying you.
3: Yeah, I would say um, church planting is, I mean, it's the most spiritually difficult work I think I've ever done, It's it's different than campus ministry, I think one of the things that that surprised me at first was was sort of the weight of it like the like the emotional spiritual weight that it carries like when people start coming to your church uh, like all of a sudden you're a pastor to these people i don't know there's there was something there's something very weird about that that you don't even carry as as an associate or as an intern or as a as a whatever um and I, I found the first couple of years especially kind of riding riding the roller coaster of, of both pride and despair and um, of hey, look, some people hmm. came, the sermon went well. you know you're elated, you're you're too high. and then uh, and then, you know things go bad. A family leaves, and you're too low. and 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 so the disassociation, the the ongoing disassociation of like my identity from my work is um, it, it's still a profound challenge. and uh, but I think it's some of the more important spiritual work that's kind of happened in my life and what God has been teaching me. And to, and to know that it's it's, it's not me <laughs> when it when it really feels so intensely yeah. personal. Um I think that's really like the thing I'm I'm still I'm still working on, but I think that church planting has really surfaced um that issue.
1: Yeah, I think uh they I think they've said it as well or better than I have, um, because those were kind of the two things that I thought of. I think there's a a corollary um and that is because you're planting a church, the weight is different even from being a senior pastor of an established church that you take over that maybe has a history. Because it's in one sense a little more of your creation. So you carry a different weight. You feel more responsible, almost like a parent for the church in ways that I've talked to other senior pastors they don't quite have. So there's a, a, a more personal weight and a, a kind of a more poignant loneliness. If, if I can say it that way, that um, church planters and their relationship to their congregation is uh, a little different from senior pastors who come into a church. Like we're doing this together. I'm your new guy. But a church planter, it's his creation. And so his relationship to his congregants just feels it feels different. And so you've you've, you've really got to think through a bit of a loneliness that I find is involved in church planting. Um, the other thing that I would say that a little bit surprised me is, um, you have got to pay attention to the seasons of a church plant because the transition from one season to another can really hurt you. Uh, when we transitioned, uh, just, um, when, when Kyle came, we were small and growing, but we had an extraordinary season of growth. Uh, in, in what we would call the Kyle Hackman era. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it was it was really hard in some ways. One of the things that Kyle, you know, said, you know, I came and the church was just growing 30% a year for a while, you know, that, that causes distortions and quickly changes in the way that pastors relate to their congregants. It used to be a small family. You could just call me up. I, you had access to me suddenly we were bigger you kind of had to go through kyle a lot or the systems a lot uh, and there was a lot of dislocation and alienation when we grew from that small family church of say 100 to 130 to, you know suddenly we're 180 200 systems needed to come in and uh, i didn't really pay good attention to those and communicate well what the shifts were so a lot of people were hurt because my relationship to them uh, had changed. And then when we grew again, my relationship to my staff changed because now we had elders. I was spending a lot of time with elders and just more senior staff. And so um, I feel like this, you're constantly, I felt like you're constantly just getting into a comfort zone where you think you know what you're doing, and then you're yanked right out of it. You have no idea what you're doing. Um, So I think you need to pay attention to those things and really trust the Lord and be a man of prayer and discernment and humility uh, for God to tell you some of those things and also ask questions. One of the things that Kyle has done well um, is Kyle is really good at, like when I look at Kyle and Ben, Ben's naturally good at figuring out what to do. He's kind of was the MacGyver when he was an intern. Oh, we need a website. Excuse me. Go into his office and two hours later, okay, we got a webpage, we got a new web page for something. I just, it was unbelievable. Kyle would be, he would, he would just know to call people when he didn't know what he was doing I'd had neither Ben's MacGyver-like ability to just solve it or Kyle's kind of natural ability to network solutions. So I've, I found myself getting waylaid by, by that. But I would say it's a highly fluid environment if you don't have that kind of natural MacGyver ability to figure it out. I was pretty good, but not like Ben. You, you should really lean on the community. And I think Kyle has shown me the need to talk to people uh, who know better than you how to do things when you don't, um, yeah. So I I really, I, I was a bit too independent and didn't have that, didn't create that network and just not quite as, you know, yeah. So it was very bruising at times. Um, it was good for my character. I was, it was very humiliating. Uh, so I really learned humility, but I also, yeah, those are just some of the lessons I learned Um, if you, if you want to grow a church from a church plant to uh, a multiplying church, it goes through various stages of maturity and you have to actually change your leadership style and you have to be attentive to those things. I thought that was all just organizational theory that was made up by mega churches. It's not, it's real. And, um, my snobbishness about not getting help really
4: hurt me. Well, that's all really helpful and resonates, I think, with anybody here who's planted a church or or really in ministry in any way. Um, but uh, as we're bringing our time to a close, is there uh, things that we can be praying for you all, uh, generally, your churches? Obviously, we hit on some things along the way, COVID, even just the conversation we just had, <laughs> uh, as being, you know, points in which we need the Lord's help. So are there specific ways that Uh, We can be praying for you. Our listeners can be praying for you. Uh, And uh, as we bring our time to close,
1: Kyle and Ben and I are
4: at various stages
1: of leadership of a small Canadian church planning network that's basically the PCH church planning, basically similar to a Canadian MNA. And one of the things that uh, a number of us have been talking about is pipeline. We need new leaders. Uh, We're starting to create them now, but just yeah canada is is a pretty desolate place and we need we need more church planners and leaders so i definitely think praying for leaders who are like kyle willing to come you know uh not for two years but for 20 uh is is a big need in my opinion and have the cultural agility to go i'm going to learn i'm going to pretend canada is like europe it's going to be that foreign to me and i'm going to be a learner uh we could use a bunch of those i think so pray for leaders to be raised up, church planting leaders.
2: Yeah, and I'd I'd say exactly what Dan said. It would be great if we had some younger guys coming out of seminary, Americans who have a little bit more cultural agility and are not as settled in their ways. And, uh, you know, like my church, we'd love to have someone lead worship, but I, I'd love for that position to be filled by someone who will plant a church in five to 10 years. You know, that would be the dream is we need some of these strategic wins if we're going to see church planting start to multiply. So that'd be one real clear prayer. I'd also just say, could, I would ask for your prayers. I mean, we have another press conference coming up in an hour, but um, our, our churches just aren't meeting. And uh, yeah. that's just no joke. It's causing conflict. Uh, people's faith is fragile. And I just don't think the average American understands. I mean, we're going on 15 months here. And a lot of Canadians are are more cautious by, by instinct than Americans. And they're more trusting of their government than Americans. And so very few churches pushed push the push through, you know, even when we were allowed to meet a lot of Canadians opinion was let's hold off until there's a little bit more stability and control of this well we're going on 15 months now and I don't think we realize how how difficult this has been on the spiritual journey of most of our people and so I would ask for special prayers for really the whole country of Canada but especially uh, Ontario and cities like Toronto, where many Christians have not worshipped inside with another Christian for
3: going on 15 months. Yeah, I mean, my instinct is the same as you guys. We need, we need, we we need dozens of church planters. Like yesterday, <laughs> there's so many like little cities, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people that could use a healthy, reformed-ish, <laughs> you know, church. And um, but in addition, I'd ask you to pray for for ministers. Uh, a lot of my friends, um, we're we're just so worn out. There's so many decisions to make. There's so much adversity with all this COVID stuff. Like that's. It's just hard. A lot of us are in, in counseling, trying to talk to someone, process all these issues, and so yeah. it's just uh, it's a really, really tough season uh, for ministers. And it's it's a bummer we don't get to go to Presbytery because we can't meet together. So like that, I don't get to go to General Assembly because we have a, a mandatory two week quarantine entering Canada. And so it's like there's a bunch of things that normally would be encouraging and be helpful, would nourish my spirit that I, I don't get to do. And so, um, so yeah, I'd pray for us that hopefully we endure, and hopefully the summer and the fall will be different, but. Um, That's just kind of where we're at right now.
5: And Kyle and Dan, I want to thank you for joining us. It's exciting to me as we've talked and as we have um, discussed church planning that we have, you know, three guys in Canada and uh, a church planter in the Midwest and a church planter in deep south and we have many cultural differences but we're brothers in christ and we have a passion for planning and that that warms my soul that's that's been super encouraging to me listening to you guys talk and and i'm so thankful that you joined the five points church planning podcast and hopefully many people will benefit from listening to this thank you again appreciate you for joining us
0: that's the last word for now thanks to auxilio for sponsoring this episode Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Dan, Ben, and Kyle for joining us. And thanks to Canada for always keeping it real. As always, you can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter and Facebook at Five Points Planting or at our email address, reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.